Hello, my name is Dr. Selva. I am a consultant obstetrician and gynecologist at Makota Medical Center, Malacca, Malaysia. Welcome to my podcast entitled Surviving Private Practice in Malaysia. Most of us working in private practice will know that the whole private practice will not work without medical insurance. Today, I am fortunate to speak to Dr. Prema Sundralingam, a medical doctor who works for the insurance industry. She will not only answer how is it to work for an insurance company but also how the medical insurance industry works and how it supports private practice in Malaysia. Welcome to this podcast Dr. Prema. My first question to you will be what made you choose to move from clinical practice to the insurance industry? Good evening, uh, Selva. Um, I am uh, Prema Sundralingam and um, I have been in the insurance industry for the last um, 10 years. March will be 10 years. Okay, so before that, I have um, I've done my government service and I actually joined the master's in uh, anesthesia first. I was there for two years, then I left. After that, I moved to private. I was working in an emergency medicine and from there was um, I also did a health screening when this call came about insurance. Now I've been here for 10 years and when I first uh, joined I honestly did think that I would only last three months um, because I'm coming straight from a purely clinical uh, practice. Why I made the move was um, initially right initially I'm coming from I was doing my masters I was all bent on uh, doing anesthesia but I'll be very frank there were a couple of reasons I didn't do it one was the hours. I was working in GHKL, long hours, babies at home. It just wasn't working out for me. So I wanted to take a break. At the same time, I didn't think GP work was well cut out for me. So I moved into emergency medicine, which was fine. It was all working fine. This offer came along and I thought I'll try it. You know, at that time, we are working in a private sector emergency and you, you know, you have those forms that you need to fill up and we send to the insurance and all that. I that's the only thing I, I knew about medical insurance. I, I'm not even IT savvy. I, I just didn't know anything. Someone recommended my name. I went for the interview. It's a small company. I just went there. I got the job. Definitely, it was a challenge. I'm the only doctor. I think you can you know that many insurance big companies have now many doctors. There are four or five doctors sitting on board. So when I went, I was the only one. They handed the laptop. They gave me some big words. You know, you'll be handling medical operations, marketing, new business. I was spinning. I said, what are all these words? I don't, I don't even know what you mean by operations other than an operation when I worked in OT. So it was all uh, new. I just went in, got some help. I think within the first um, two weeks, I, I was a bit overwhelmed. I got worried. My that time head did say, I tell you what, I'll get you in touch with some doctors who are in the industry. So that was a doctor in uh, Great Eastern. I spoke to her and um, we went for a lunch with a couple of other doctors. So they said, you know, there's actually a group of doctors. It was very small at that time. This was in 2012. A few doctors, we could meet up. We have a chat group. You know, when anything you're not sure, you need to clarify, you can uh, get in touch touch with this group. So that's how it um, started. You know, when we joined the, the company, they gave me like a, a six-month probation period. So I, I remember thinking, I just have to get through that six months. And part of me, you know, I was, my legs were still, I, I was working in the emergency. I still wanted to do locum there. All I wanted all the while was a nine to five job. And yet I couldn't let go. So in the beginning, I used to finish nine to five. So just give me like three hours. I still want to come there and work. And uh, then eventually that just died off. You gradually get used to it. You learn on the job. Seriously, that's exactly what I did. I learned on the job. What is the job encompass? 
services. I mean, you, you, I think I'm sure I'm sure our audience want to know what actually you do in the in the insurance industry. Okay, so unlike contrary contrary to popular belief, the doctors there don't just sit to reject claims. Okay, seriously, that's not the job. There are people, other people who do it. You know, there's an insurance company. Then you know, there's a third party administrator that is usually hired by an insurance company. And above the insurance company, there's something called a reinsurance company. Okay, so we seek guidance up there in the insurance uh, field itself. Uh, by the way, I'm I'm doing takaful, which is Islamic insurance. All right. Um, so in the insurance it starts with the products the kind of products the company wants to come up with so basically what i do right now is i look at the market trend i see where we are what seems to be the trend what seems to be what is required by the market then we give suggestions on kind of product we want to come up with then there's a team called the actuarial team that does pricing uh, risk analysis we, we work together with this group of people you know so we sit down okay this is where your risk is going to be in this um, segment of the market your business is here but be wary this is where all you're going to um, have leakages okay this is where your claims are going to come that's one aspect of it we work very closely with the actuarial team that's number one then there's something else called uh, underwriting so i was in underwriting for a good 3 years underwriting is individually we look at applications all right and okay this is getting a bit tricky so when i look at the application i'm not a treating doctor so based on your age based on what you disclose based on your bmi we look at the risk so now we 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 are faced with a lot of situations that's very different than clinical practice is i'm seeing the piece of paper i have to assess that risk is it a high risk moderate can i accept the risk with extra extra premium can i um, exclude certain conditions or do i think it's fine i can take this risk so imagine things like um, you have a blood test and the esr is sky high it's high now i think we all know that many times you have done all, all the tests and you can't really account for why the esr is high so what do i do do i say no i'm not going to accept you do i tell him go and do every test possible it's not fair i can't do that so you got to assess should i just say postpone for 3 months and reapply with another esr so things like that we assess now a person comes with like a stress test that's inconclusive now what do i do can i label him as a coronary artery disease patient yes or no because i'm not going to follow up with this guy and then you know you will have this participants who are saying why i'm well my doctor said i'm perfectly well who are you to tell me i I'm, i'm not well why are, am i paying extra premium things like that so that is the underwriting risk it's a huge part of uh, insurance uh, industry and a lot of doctors they may not be doing the underwriting process at all but uh, fully but they are there to um, oversee so there will be ecgs coming to you there'll be stress tests coming to you hpe reports so um, that's where the doctor's opinion is needed and in the event that i can't make that decision i'm really not sure we take that application go to our reinsurer the company that insures us there usually a, a couple of doctors there too so they look at it and they'll give us advice whether we should go ahead accept it or not so that is the uh, uh, the underwriting portion of it then there is of course the part that those in clinical practice just love the claims claims comes and uh, again the doctor doesn't look at all the claims 
there will be a few claims that comes, maybe the high bills, the repetitive claims. We look at it. And uh, I have to say that at times we send questionnaires. We think we may be wrong, but we think that that admission could have been avoided, that investigate, that that surgery, was it really necessary? Why was the length length of stay in the hospital um, three days and then increased to five days? Why? We have to do that part. Probably that is for a doctor. I will say honestly, that is the uh, most difficult task because I know I've worked in a hospital too. I know there's no black and white to this decision. You know, uh, I have these conversations with the other doctors and sometimes they think, why do you want to ask these things? Why do you need to? I said, you must understand. Or I'm not calling it unnecessary admissions and things like that. It's a, it's like an echo. It's like a, it's like a system, you know. We, we need to look at the pattern of how the pricing is going and then later the premium for the client keeps increasing and increasing because we look at large trend. Basically, insurance is based on the pool of business we look at the large pool if generally the pool seems to be increasing like medical inflation is like a 13 percent now rightfully every year your policyholder has to be paying an increase in premium will they will it reach a point for malaysians for the average malaysian to afford this premium in time to come so we are looking at the big picture so we we tend to go a little nitty-gritty i know it's annoying every time i go to the hospital i used to work before why you know i may not be the doctor standing it could be from another such silly questions are coming sometimes the questions are not from the doctor like, truthfully you know i don't think doctors we we, are tr- we try to be tactful i've always been that way um can you kindly explain things like that we get very rude replies at times you know you're not seeing the patient and we, we, I do get all that you know so like I said at least I'm trying to bridge that gap between the industry and the hospitals to reach um, a ground which is um, you know we, we can work together we have all these associations trying to do that so that's a, a a major portion that we do right now. The other thing now we have gone big, I'm sure it's not just with regards to insurance, is um, data scientists, data analytics. So we get a huge, this one used to be done by reinsurance, but now this is being done by us. I, I don't know whether you know, like even with regards to COVID, they get large amounts of data and they try to analyze trends. How is it going? You know, is this the rate of this higher than that, you know, when we are comparing vaccines, things like that, we are beginning to do in-house. We are trying to, and it's not just my company, it's most companies are doing it. They are trying to see a trend, like um, what age band do you see highest number of admission for what kind of disease? So maybe if we see highest number of admissions for under two for respiratory conditions, now should we start, pricing them right. Again, it's an ecosystem. It starts from the point of application. So this is another thing. So we have cases who were born maybe at 36 weeks, admitted in NICU for a week, right? So the baby is probably fine, but I'm not going to be seeing the baby as a follow-up. So we will probably say something like, you know, um, considering you were in the NICU or incubator, we will not cover respiratory conditions for the first two years of life. I understand it sounds very harsh, but we are looking at the pool. So because we have studied and we know that normally itself a child tends to get admitted. Now, when I first joined the industry, I found this so hard to believe because at that point, my kids were that age group and they were getting admitted. So I, I was fighting this. But now over the years, I see, gosh, Unless it's priced right, you know, and this is where the argument comes and they'll tell me, doctor, if you were to price it right, nobody will be able to afford 
to buy insurance anymore in 10 years no one can do that so now i'm looking at this at a, as a whole big picture that's the three key things we look at other than the fact that um, when you join as a doctor you're already at a um, senior level so then you have to look at process improvement uh, you have your vast uh, the business is big you have banks for mrta loans those applications banks breathing down your neck why is this uh, client's medical taking time you've got corporate business whereby big companies are insured under you and you have those vip ceos the chairmen the board of directors who are probably uh, not that healthy and we think they need to uh, do further tests and they are not happy so you need your pr skill needs to be managed you need to have that pr skill to speak to them to explain to them without quite hurting them or someone will come you know he'll say i'm perfectly healthy and you'll see the hba1c is 11.5 you know there's protein urea and then he says no i'm not how dare you say things like this we have all, all this you you need to manage this work that you do you, now you said you're the only doctor in that in your uh, industry my, in Takaful, in my company in, Takaful, in your company it's yeah. so much, it looks overwhelming isn't it it's a lot of work i'm sure, I'm sure you have people helping you at least yeah, so looking I, at the claims at least looking at the claims oh yeah yeah we have a third party administrator looking at the claims then i have my head of claims who who, who does the claims they know the the oh, operational yeah. issues they know how to do they 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 and now it's come to such a point they have artificial intelligence set in place in the you know okay for uh, gastroenteritis the normal length of stay is 4 days and uh, amount should be within 4000 just say yeah So anything below that will just get through anything above that will be flagged out so we have systems to do things like that but my my opinion comes when it's a problematic admission when it's a question was was this congenital or not a dermoid cyst congenital we don't insurance doesn't cover congenital conditions and uh, so that's where uh, this is with guy with regards to gynees you know that dermoid cyst thing just goes on then so i'll be calling my gynee friends and you know when you read the article it says it can be congenital occasionally acquired and then we don't know and i know if i ask the guy me he's never i don't know whether you'll know that but it's difficult so that's the qna that goes back and forth um, we have critical illness you know we have critical illness like heart attacks this i'm not talking about medical claims you have the lump sum payment for heart attacks cancers does it fulfill the certain definition so i'm there i have people who who do these things what i get is what is flagged out Okay. the day to day work is being done yeah how do you compare it with clinical work you miss clinical work is it uh, is it something um, that this part of the work is i mean you just grown into it what what do you think i'm going to you're going to laugh at me i i <laughs> i don't miss clinical work okay but when i watch things like grace anatomy i'll be looking at cuz you know it's in ots i do miss that off and on okay what i did i don't know whether it's the field that i chose you know um i went into anesthesia and i never left anesthesia you know i was just there for five i think i was there for seven years in anesthesia i never left and uh, i didn't enjoy the the high stress level when we are doing a triple a or a, a injury or a major head uh, you know that 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 stress level was so high i i can't i won't say i couldn't do it i could but i finished the case put the patient in icu and think wow was that really necessary it was so stressed out so do i miss it when i watch tv i miss it but on a day to day basis i don't 
I am glad. And um, I, I didn't think uh, GP thing. I can only say anesthesia work, ICU work, because that's where other than housemanship, I throughout worked in anesthesia. Then, of course, I worked in emergency. Okay, I am comfortable doing what I'm doing. It may be a desk job, but I enjoy doing it. I think I'm giving using this um, medical knowledge in other forms as the as the whole ecosystem, not not to treat patients. What 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 do you think? How do you think they? can qualify to become to go into this industry is there anything special that they need, they need to do what do you think okay uh, truthfully in this last nine years i've worked here i've had staffs children who have done medicine they've done they've passed their theory they've gone into housemanship within a month they want to come and work it, it's not going to work I, i'm honestly telling you you need that experience of working in a government hospital for a couple of years you need that experience working in a private center i will say it's at least 10 years 10 11 years you have worked you know how the system works and it comes in so handy the other thing the attitude is which i probably didn't have in the very beginning is i always thought oh i'm the doctor why must i do that why must i look at how how the bank is giving the loan why is it my problem but over time right i um, i got to understand that you need to know the whole ecosystem the more you know it's better for you you won't be lost in a meeting you will know where to contribute you you will have to be open about that you may be the medical advisor for the company yes your views on medical is definitely valued but at the same time you're here to help the company as a whole so you have to know that and it wise it's best you you are i, I don't think that's going to be a problem with the younger doctors but yes you better be it savvy you know your excel you know your uh, everything should be just like that presentations confident to speak because like i said you are going to be speaking to uh, clients agents stick if you think that's your view you you should be able to uh, view it confidently and um, like i said that experience of working both in government hospital and in private sector is invaluable so what you would, what you would say is you should spend you should be proficient in your clinical medicine one you and you must open your mind to other aspects of medicine are, most of us doctors we only know how to do our work i mean i'm an obgyn yeah. i know my obgyn well but you asked me about what is how to take a loan or go to somewhere else you you don't you know yeah. because you don't read so probably we should advise them to uh, be worldly that means you know the other aspects yeah. of life than just only medicine probably if you want to move yeah. into an industry like a yeah. insurance industry isn't it yeah so it will be a lot of things when i draft emails right so the email will say this client is uh, saying things like um, he may be the ceo of company xyz upset that you have uh, declined his application so then i'll draft it in such a way i'll say medically these are the reasons i've declined but at the same time i understand the business view of this i understand that i view the business that this um, the company is huge and maybe i can view the risk so you have to look at it as a big picture your mind cannot be narrow you must open it up and uh, think as a whole which takes time even i was strugg- i was struggling in the beginning because i i was fixed in my views after maybe 4 years 3 4 years you gradually learn the business yeah now you are in this industry as a medical i i have read it you are some kind of a medical advisor to the to the to the industry mm-hmm. can you move up the ladder can you become something else beside what you are or you are you static in what your job uh, position is you can yeah so the doctor can move up the doctor can move up but it'll be more of management as medically that's where that means you can go into um, operations but when you go in, into operations 
you are already you are overseeing many things in operations not just the medical aspect so there are various departments and i i can say i think i know most of the departments quite well the other thing that you can go higher is probably products coming up with products but then uh, at the moment as the only doctor basically i'm sitting in all the relevant uh, departments i mean com- i mean i'll be in the committee for most of them there's a claims committee there's a product committee most of it i'll have to sit in what about in other yeah. other insurance companies do you know doctors at, at what until what level have they moved up Uh, in, um, in, 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 uh, if I'm not mistaken, they've gone. Some some doctors have gone very high up, um, regional heads, things like that. Yes, in bigger companies, they have. There is an option to move up if you want. Of course, to. of course. Again, it cannot be just medical. Of Whole course, it cannot be you're, because it besides cannot, that, yeah. you will you will be you are looking at other aspects of uh, management. Yes. So. Um, mm. you know you could probably uh, if you know more on actuarial science and things like that you know a little bit you know that information it will be very handy it will be very handy for a doctor i i guess you joined this job because it is going to be a 9 to 5 job am, am, I, am i right yep. because in, yes. in medicine is crazy you have to work you know, any hours, uh, office hours are you happy in that aspect that okay. you could do the job from 9 to 5 and not outside i'm sure it's not that clear cut isn't it no it's not okay truthfully it's not but mm-hmm. i compare it to emergency medicine anesthesia where it's all night long emergency when you're doing the night calls your weekends right it's definitely not 9 to 5 okay it is not 9 to 5 yeah. but it is not every other day which is not 9 to 5 it is there are times there are deadlines you need to prepare prepare this report you need to analyze this thing yes on those days it can go on it can go on till 11 it can go on till 12 you know and just like medicine there are nights which i go to sleep thinking about what i'm going to produce how is my report going to turn out how is that presentation going to go it's there but i still think uh, probably clinical medicine is a bit more stressful okay. i liked my work life balance i like the fact is generally it's a 9 to 5 job another question is what would you do if you retire when you retire from this uh, job actually i'm just thinking right i was just thinking about it thinking aloud when you put that question in fact this thought has crossed my mind many times private you're talking about uh, young doctors going to private practice right i just think there's such a gap between uh, insurance and medicine and i think it's so important wouldn't it be nice if in the final year of medical school there's like a subject that teaches things like this you know and if there was you know i wouldn't mind going into lecturing this thing for a little bit of awareness maybe it's a bit far fetched the way i'm thinking but i don't mind doing something like that so that everyone is a little bit more bit more aware of um, what insurance means you know i i don't mind doing the lecturing because i do training for our agents for our staff you know why not soon to be doctors or even uh, doctors who are have already passed out you know housemanship or something if they ever find the time you have enough clinical background think... at the beginning to go back to clinical medicine yeah, you I left it 10 years ago Okay. Yeah. Of course it's not going to be easy. You know, it probably take a few months to get to it, but I don't think it's impossible. Okay. It's just that I don't think I want to. Yes. You know, and it's uh, even for future doctors, right? There are lots of other new fields coming up, health informatics, uh studying trends, studying, you know, things like we I don't know whether it's there now in a medical school, you know, statistics. things like that which is necessary yeah i mean we were taught that statistics but basically that they teach us how to analyze our data and publish papers that's basically what exactly, they exactly yeah that's what they were interested so, in is it yeah what are the challenges yeah. working in the insurance industry you actually clarify the whole job 
I mean, it's not yeah. as easy as you think, isn't it? It's just just not yeah. sitting sitting there and just writing no, something no, no, and go no. home. Yeah. And even those visits to those hospitals to meet doctors, it's far from easy, you know. I I don't know what the doctors feel about when you know we've got to go and meet a doctor and discuss a certain claim, and you know I dread those visits. Oh, you I do dread that. It. You do that as well. You do that occasionally, very rarely, occasionally. Very... But I do believe some hospitals now have medical directors also who be the liaison between the um, insurance and uh, the hospital doctors, the clinical doctors, you know. occasionally we have to do that what qualification does insurance industry look for in a young doctor who want to join them i mean okay. i I'm, i'm sure there must be some idea they may they must have isn't it okay so at this point right it's just of course you just need to be a doctor your basic degree is sufficient your work experience all right is sufficient but i think right now there are things that you can do further um you can do like i said analytics you can do statistics health insurance there are certain universities who offer these programs maybe in us here over here in malaysia you can do it with the malaysian institute of insurance but probably it's not really for doctors it's a bit basic the one in us in other countries it's more in depth if you have that definitely it will be an advantage but at this point in malaysia i don't think they are they are looking at that yet they are looking at it overseas there are lots of doctors who are doing things like this you know i think that there is no big rush for doctors to join the insurance industries now isn't it is there a lot of applicants to join the insurance industries what do you think compared to 10 years ago there are a lot more doctors there are a lot more doctors yeah my god there was only a handful when i joined and now big companies have five six our chat group has got some 40 doctors i think are they applying to join the industry insurance industry and, and are they doctors who get rejected um okay so sometimes doctors would not join the insurance industry directly so what happens is you you know those forms you fill from the third party administrators the claim anal- analyzer they will join those companies first you know where you go through your icd coding and daily looking at claims and when you have got that because at that point um, i think your your knowledge has to be very much just with looking at claims and then from there they move up to the they move to insurance companies things like that you know do they get rejected yes i i know doctors who have been rejected also it so there is a, there is another level in which many doctors are probably working as you said the the yeah. place where they are actually sitting down and looking at these claims not yeah. really working for the for the for the insurance. So because insurance like i mentioned it has got many parts of it it's got the product part the underwriting part uh, looking at trends things like that it's got a whole picture when you are in the third party administrator you're probably only looking more towards claims you may be the expert in the claims but um which is also good if that's what you like looking at claims but when you move to insurance industry you got to look at the whole picture the client the assessment of risk which is very big the type of products you want to come up with what's going to be profitable where do you foresee um, problems things like that uh, one thing to know about the insurance companies itself how do they decide on premium is it's not a flat rate isn't it it is it is no no there there is probably a baseline and then you add riders on top of that that's how it works am i right 
Yeah, that's what. Yeah, what what happens is how we rate you up. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, we call it rate up is age factor, uh, BMI, whatever you disclose your general health condition. You know, for a certain age and above, we'd probably send for a medical checkup, and then based on that, if there's uh, diabetes, hypertension, things like that, it's rated up, and it's becoming very streamlined. The, the way that we have calculators for that to assess risk, right? Yeah. And of course, it's the sum uh, assured how how much uh, coverage you're asking for for that certain age. Okay, this this is for life insurance so uh, what about medical insurance i mean life and medical in fact medical is a lot more strict a lot more stringent mm-hmm. um at least in malaysia diabetes is like a no no the minute your hb1c is high um, medical cards are not issued you know it's something we are working on again pricing has to be right mm-hmm. uh, public should be able to afford it yeah we have life insurance we have medical insurance we have critical illness you know as the doctor you you are in an insurance company you also have to be up to date with the latest trends you will see suddenly um, i mean my time was open surgery with laparoscopic surgery which wasn't like often but now laparoscopy has become like quite common and then it's um robotic surgeries so if insurance company is still fixed on everything has to be open we are not going to move with times because now that's becoming the norm you know the probably the benefits are they're more prone pros to doing pro, uh, pros to doing that so again your medical knowledge has also to be up to date with what is happening you know you got to read a lot more no but how do you uh, decide whether that particular new technology is acceptable i mean is claimable could you know because okay, so i i am actually a laparoscopic surgeon i, I probably uh, do most laparoscopic surgery in malaysia for gynecology okay. and i also I- started something new now which is called hifu high intensity focus ultrasound for fibroids and adenomyosis we use ah. uh, ultrasound to ablate fibroids and adenomyosis i just started wow. two and a half months ago and insurance okay. actually is covering it <laughs> you know and it took me wow. a long time to convince insurance so when you have new technologies like this how do you decide you know how do you decide that uh, it is you know this is acceptable i mean mm. I, what i realized from my understanding is that if the ministry has accepted it that's how i got mine in ministry yeah. accepted ministry has given me a, a go go and they have given me a code they are accepting it is, is that how it goes and how how, yeah. how do you decide so one is um, fda approval okay. then kkm has to have approved it the other thing we we tend to use uh, often is it should be a medically necessary procedure okay mm-hmm. so generally when we have this um new procedures it's it's um, like i said we have a bunch of doctors who discuss it and you know we we see whether it goes through then we we'll, we will try to meet the doctors to discuss what are the options and we try to we we want to cover it we know we should move with time you know but um maybe there might be some issues with uh, again like if i want to explain uh, it has to be medically necessary okay so you have bariatric surgery so um recently i spoke to a bariatric surgeon to ask how how does it go do you try abc and abc fails that then we move ahead you know because it's life threatening to the person's health therefore he needs to undergo the surgery so we we drive in to see that that medically necessary clause is a very important clause for insurance and then we will have a certain conditions which are maybe it's relevant for the patient it's relevant we agree but was it med- if it medically was not necessary it will not be covered yes but you see it is not something that only your company decides it is decided by 
uh, all the companies. Am I, am I right? Because you're yeah. also in competition. Yes. Hackerful is com- competition with Prudential, is competition with G. If, yeah. you, if you don't insure, then they will go to others. So you, I'm sure exactly. you have PM and you've got your own association yes. to discuss yeah. it, yes. isn't it? Yeah. And how so do you go about things, mm. So you, you, you mentioned Liam. Yes, there's Liam mm. for life insurance. Mm. Likewise, we have Malaysian Takaful Association for the Takaful industry. And we also have a joint committee whereby there's representative from Liam. There will be representative from MTA discussing things. And usually uh, the MMA or the KKM will come up with a circular which will be sent you know, this procedure, please approve this procedure. Something, there'll be a letter sent, then it'll be cascaded down to these bodies. They will then cascade it down to us. They'll do a survey. So far, how many patients have you had? Have you covered this? If you don't cover, what are your reasons? We got to give reasons. That is deliberated and they come come up with a consensus. Nobody forces, but they say we are of the opinion that this can be covered. Do you do have yeah, these yeah. kind of discussions very often? Yes, yeah, yes, yes, we do. That is interesting. What's your experience with uh, insurance companies? All, all you said I've experienced, of course. <laughs> when, whenever I get a questionnaire from the insurance, I get palpitations because I now think of what to write, how to write. I should write it in such a way because patients will just tell me this. They say, you wrote wrongly, doctor. That's why I cannot take that's all they say. You know, you know that, isn't it? They, they say you 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 to Tule Sala, Dr. Tule Sala. That's why I, I couldn't claim. I mean, what can we do? We can only write what is there. So we're under pressure yeah. as well. When the when when yeah. we are writing for insurance, I'm always under pressure so that I write it correctly so that correctly. I didn't miss something. I, I remember once I recently I, I accidentally wrote when is the when is the last saw this when is the first consulted this patient? I said uh, 12th of sep- 12th of uh, say say September 2012. Instead of 2021. Can you imagine? Oh, it was rejected. Like I said, oh, please. I just made a mistake. It's not 20. I mean, these are our pressures, our doctor's pressures. You know, we want to write the insurance forms correctly. Now, one insurance company, Prudential, is insisting that we do it online. So we are, we are doing it online. Mm-hmm. It has got its, its advantages and disadvantages as well. So, so that is that is it, and of course I agree with you. There are certain certain conditions. Yeah, exactly. You say dermoidosis is one that we discuss in our ONG group all the time. Is it you know how can you call dermoidosis as a as a as a congenital disease when you know then you can say cancer is a congenital disease. I mean these are debates. You know, I know. I mean these are yeah. debates that yeah. we discuss. So we we have our problem, but I also understand what you are saying because. If everybody starts just, you know, uh, charging like unnecessarily, then the premiums are going to go up and people can't afford. We also need that yeah. insurance. Our private sector is surviving because of this insurance because I, I came into private practice in 1994 when there was no insurance. And at that time, we had to charge really low figures to, you know, for the patients to afford. When insurance came in and becomes more, we can actually charge as much as what the other bigger towns charge. So our fees kind of leveled, you know, level playing field. It's benefited us, definitely it's benefited us. And I think it benefits everyone because if they are insured, they have got a clear mind. If they have got a disease, they don't have to go to the GH. They can come to us and private hospitals survive because of this insurance. So it, it is a symbiosis. But I think, uh, as you said, a discussion between uh, frequent uh, dialogue between the industry and the doctors, I think should take place, which I don't think, is happening no. as much as we would no. love to. It's not because everybody is busy with their work and we don't. For example, I will tell you, when I wanted to bring in this Haifu uh, machine, 
that was in 2019. I actually wrote to PM. I wrote to uh, two or three other organizations. In fact, I came to your Takaful building. I gave a talk there. In that uh, actually yeah, Takaful. That Takaful. I think that's Takaful Malaysia. That's different, is it? Yeah, yeah, different. Yeah, there are many Takaful companies. Okay, that 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 Takaful Malaysia is, is I think somewhere in the middle of town. I, I can't remember yep. the building. That's right. That's, that's right. right. So yeah. I was there. I gave because I was I was trying to go and explain to doctors, explain to the industry that this is available. Would you all support me or not? Because I I don't want to bring in a a, a service that insurance doesn't cover them is. But nobody wanted to give me an answer. Nobody wanted to commit. They say you bring the machine, start the service, and then we decide. Can you imagine or not? No. And and luckily, my hospital, after discussion, decided to do that, and I, I managed to bring it. And fortunately, the insurance companies are now are now uh, covering. So it's benefiting covering. a lot, a lot of people, a lot of people. So I think a dialogue will be good. So it is. It is interesting that I mean, maybe you should you know talk that you should have more dialogues with the doctors and. And uh, and we are not, you know, we also want to help people. Like, you know, our, our aim and in private practice is to try to help people uh, get well and with whatever insurance that they have. So I think I think that's that's basically yeah, this the thing you mentioned about the form. I just want to explain to you why that the date is so important. You know, you know now there's a case going on. It's a court case already. Okay. Because of this similar thing, you know, that the date of diagnosis. Um, two in two circumstances, it was written as diagnosed in two thousand nine, and uh, after that, it's been cut and put two thousand eleven. So that two years made a lot of difference. Okay, so uh, that that kind of thing because there's such a clause called as a non-disclosure clause. You know, you're supposed to fill up the application form honestly, and we accept it up utmost good faith. Yes. So. Right, so that that is a, a very important thing. I understand. Maybe you know, I'm thinking of the days when I was in ED and I'm writing fast, fast, then want to refer. That can happen also. That is a thing we need to. It's a bridge, lah. That we need to somehow close that gap. That's number one. And number two is um how the doctor fills it up. These are the things I said. Don't you think these kind of things should be taught? There should be something how to fill up a form rightfully. Why is certain information important to the insurance company? Things like that. Yeah. I, I mean, recently, not not recently, maybe about a few months ago, uh, we went to an ED. Daughter had some severe pain, abdomen, and whatever. Not we didn't know what it was. So until the baskopan was given, it was excruciating pain. Ended up as nothing. It was nothing after the ultrasound, and then the GL was uh, declined. Your your daughter. You Oh, my own daughter. Yes, so yes, again, yes, yes. My, again, my own daughter. And uh, I said, um, my husband was throwing a fit. Why is it declined? Mm. I said, yes, because now it's nothing. Mm. It turned out to be nothing. But my explanation was when we came here, the pain score was 7 out of 10. How am I going to take her to a GP clinic, get a letter and then come to ED? I can't do that. So again, the doctor had to fill it up. And then, you know, this like, why are you insurance companies? Why, did, why didn't the doctor fill it up? Well, I said, yeah, well, it was Passover. Dr. A passed over to Dr. B. When Dr. B saw, daughter was perfectly fine. You know, so that, that kind of feeling. So sometimes I want to make that admission form a little, a lot more details, which I don't think doctors will agree. I don't think even my side is, I've, I've been harping on that, you know, that we need to ask more questions at the point of admission to make it easy. And, you know, then our, probably the stay in hospital time, we can reduce it. I mean, not to say reduce it, we can reduce the Q&A at that point. But I don't know whether it's something that will go through. Yeah, you know? I, I think, yeah. I mean, we, I mean, I can tell you what my anxiety, biggest anxiety is, 
when I admit a patient for, say, a surgery tomorrow, and then something happens and the patient couldn't be done, and we have to send the patient back. And what am I going to write in that insurance form? Say, I, I actually admitted her for this surgery, and we couldn't be done because you know something happened. Some, some like today, I am supposed to admit one patient for a hysterectomy, uh, and um, today she came and sat down in front of me and said, "Actually, I'm on aspirin. Why did you uh, tell me when you when you consulted <laughs> me two weeks ago that you're on aspirin? So okay, sorry, we have to cancel it. You're 75 years old, so I said no. We are not going to do this you're going to stop the aspirin and then we will do it next week i mean luckily i have not admitted her yet if i've admitted her and then i say i'm going to discharge it there is an admission please even the patient is admitted for five hours it will be a thousand ringgit and you yeah, company yeah. Will be asking me why you wasted my thousand ringgit so this is a pressure yeah. actually it's a, it's a it's a real pressure and you know we are busy clinicians you know we're trying to juggle and in between we are doing all this i don't know how you know we have to, we have to manage it we got no choice we have to manage yeah, it and, and, and yeah. uh, we have to manage it so you've got to this is an important part of your job which is filling up an insurance form for the patients to be admitted it's a part of the job so, I think, so I think this is where um, the doctors in the insurance industry is there to kind of explain it to the company. You know, why did the doctor do this? You see, I said it's different. The doctor probably hardly saw the patient in the emergency. He filled it up fast. He thinks that's the diagnosis. Then you go into what? Later, the diagnosis is different. You know, you, it happens quite often. What? Yes. Things like this. You know, you think it's this and then ends up uh, and then there's a referral and another referral and another referral. Yeah. And it goes on. You know, it can happen. It can. We are there to explain these things yeah yeah i think you, know? you, you must yeah it's it's, it's it's an important job that you that the, the the people in the insurance industry understand the some of the you know intricate difficulties that we face during the during, but also i'm sure yep. there are some that shouldn't be done and it's done of course, you know, that, of course. That, 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 like you, i say there is there is, um, there is uh, I, I don't know whether it's the right there's abuse number one then there is that that gray line that could be or i i can't say it's wrong but could we have done without that's that one one portion again mm. and that that's very clear cut so i think those in the gray line i honestly don't think we can do anything about it because I'm sure as a doctor in a private sector, I'm not saying it's defensive medicine, but if you didn't do it and something were to go wrong, you're going to be accountable. Like a chest pain, you know, you do a chest pain, uh, you do the ECG, everything looks okay. But what if? What if is always there. Even I would probably have the what if. Mm -hmm. And then a CT angiogram is done. Most of the time, it's nothing. But what if it was something? But things like that, my question is, for the what ifs, is the insurance company liable for that? It's like an investigation, you know? Try to look at it at this point. We, if we were to cover all the what-ifs, the price is going to be much higher in future. I understand the anxiety. You're, you know, you're worried to discharge. the doc If I was there, I'll be worried to discharge. I don't want something to happen. But at the same time, just to the what-if, can we be covering everything? It's something that can be debated on both sides, you know? Yeah. Things like that. There are many of those, yeah. And, and especially insurance companies are paying only if the patient is admitted. So you admit and then you do a CT and you, and then yeah. uh, you, you know, then whether that is covered. I mean, they, these are the, these are difficulties. And, and I think also probably there are, I mean, I'm in clinical practice for a long time. I can tell you that patients come and tell me, why not you just admit me and do this, you know, do this yeah. investigation. And it is, you know, and you become very unpopular with them and you say that, no, that is not the right thing right. to do. You, you, you yep. cannot and the insurance company will come after me, you know, I, I, and then, you know, you admit and then it is not claimed. It's not my fault. 
Oh, no. These are our problem, you know, our sites when, you know, people yeah. just come just because I have an insurance card, I, I can be admitted and do anything. Yeah. You, yeah, we do have, I, I'm sure there are patients like that who make those demands. When I worked in ED, I used to have those kind of patients. You admit me, I have the card. Mm. So it's that balance needs to be set. Like, if not, it'll just be an ongoing uh, debate back and forth, isn't it? Yeah. Okay, I think there was a good discussion. Not only, I mean, <laughs> basic. I don't know how much of it you want it to be published. I mean, I would actually love everything to be published because I think uh, the people out there. I mean, although this whole podcast is for young doctors to learn, but many people would probably have never listened to a doctor in the in- insurance industry talking on their side of the problem. You know, you know what I mean? Your side of the, of the issue. I'm sure that that will be quite interesting for them to listen to, I think. So let, let, me, let, me, let me edit it out and yeah. then you listen and see what you, what you think. Is it, is it good enough to, to go on the podcast as well? Okay. okay. okay anything, any, any other things you think you want to add? I think you have said most of the things. Okay, maybe this is uh, not, not really for the podcast, but mm-hmm. just a thought. Mm-hmm. Would, if the insurance... Uh, doctors start asking for observation charts, would the clinical uh, doctors be agreeable for things Obs- like ob- observation mean, yeah, The nurses, nurses observation chart. Uh-huh. Yeah. I, I don't, I've got no objections to that. I don't know whether whether the, the patient probably will not object, but is it is there any issue on privacy, do you think? I, I don't think so because we get all other details. I don't think it's that because they do sign the PDPA. The question these thoughts have been uh, brought up recently whether we should start asking again it's not all you know when uh, we have things like admitted for dehydration mm-hmm. maybe we want to see is it was it six days of dehydration or admitted for fever and then the temperature chart shows no fever things like that you know mm-hmm. so i don't think everyone will be agreeable but uh, in this kind of situation is there a a body that can persuade or force the hospital to dis- to give it to to yon is that do you know do you know that i mean of course a norm will only happen after it has is, it is started isn't it but when when yeah. you're breaking the norm is this there's always uh, I mean, it is very easy for us to say no why should i give it to you when there's no reason to give but what is the norm is it is it done in other countries is it is this i mean I, i'm sure Insurance industries are governed by the uh, Bank uh, Nagara. Bank Nagara, so Bank Nagara can give this directly. Bank Nagara will probably say, ask Ministry of Health, Ministry of Health, say, say ask DG. So it's, it's probably mm. going to be a... a, a so a again, we just candidate. started the, the prelim of questionnaires have just started between the bodies, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see where it goes. I'm sure uh, uh, at the moment, hospitals are not keen to... Uh, send observation charts but again it's very preliminary our survey is just being done you know whether they should start asking for it okay Mm. so thank you very much Mm. thank you so much doctor see you then okay bye-bye okay then bye bye thank you for listening to this podcast please subscribe to this channel to learn more about private practice in malaysia bye